to Execute Chapter 66, a Star Wars fiction podcast where we discuss canon, legends, and beyond. My name is Beth Van Dusen, and tonight we will be discussing the John Jackson Miller novel, Kenobi. And of course, with me as always are co-hosts Chad Schonk and Ryan Schweck, and over to you, Chad. This is just your reminder that this is a book club and not a review show. We're going to be talking about this book and spoiling it. And uh, so if you care about that stuff, you should probably stop listening. Uh, we'll also maybe be talking about other stuff in Star Wars up to and including the most recent season of Clone Wars or Mandalorian or anything like that. So this has been your spoiler warning. Uh, Ryan, any news? I think there has been. Absolutely. There's always news. Um I think it's going to be an ongoing segment in the news of following the Kathleen Kennedy rumors. <laughs> so as of last, you know, the rumors were going around that they were just going to completely write out uh, Last Jedi and uh, Rise of Skywalker. The new updated one, which seems is coming from a lot more accurate sources, is that Kathleen Kennedy's contract ends next year. And when it does, she's out. Um, and part of that will be they are not going to erase the new movies. They aren't going to knock them out of canon, but they're effectively going to ignore them. Um, you know, which it seems like for the rest of their plans is perfectly fine. Uh, you just won't tie back into that much anymore, which is probably a better plan than going to the world between worlds and getting rid of it or whatever. I think that would it would just be too much for star Wars yeah. fans to take. Um, but who knows, you know, Marvel, we've seen Marvel as they've had this continuous canon going in movies. We're starting to now see the strain of it because you have actors that get out and, you know, characters who kind of end their arcs. And so now we're about to enter this whole new phase. So I think Marvel's going to tell us a lot um, versus DC. Who's, who knows what DC is doing? So those are the kind of two models I think. I have a feeling Star Wars is going to watch. Like, which one of these ways do you go? Yeah, do you go the more kind of individual expressions for each mm-hmm. movie, or do you go the more serialized route like Marvel does? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I think the idea of restarting, wiping them out, would be stupid. Yeah. Because they didn't do that with the prequels, right? So right. then, but also like. As far as ignoring them goes, I don't even know what that means. Like, if they're still there, I, I guarantee you books will make references to things. I mean, there's no there's no reason to believe. Like, if it's there, there's no reason not to mention things. It yeah. doesn't make sense that you ignore them. What I think they're going to do by ignoring, I think they're going to put a hard period on those stories. And while you'll have other stuff that kind of exists within that universe and maybe makes a reference here or there – it's just they're never going to go back to that. Like, well, I don't know if we will see Ray books or anything like that after, you know, that take place after Rise of Skywalker for a while, which is a shame because, I mean, look at the prequels. As we've talked about a bunch of times, the expanded material in retrospect have made the prequels so much better. And you could do that with Rise of Skywalker and all that. And you already did with the novelizations of the books. Yeah, no, you absolutely could. I, I don't. I don't get it. Um, I'm not someone who hates the sequel trilogy. I think it's fine. Um, I enjoy it despite its flaws. And uh, the idea of uh, wiping it out really bugged me. And I think it's also disrespectful to all the people that worked so hard <laughs> on those movies. And yeah, I, uh, yeah. I, I get it. And 
I, I get wanting to move on with it. But if if we're moving away from the Skywalkers in general, is it that big a deal to just ignore it anyway? Because if we're not going to talk about Skywalkers anymore in in movies at least, then is it that big a deal to just you know not talk about it quite so much? I mean, we have the Poe Dameron book coming. Yeah. Right. There's that Poe Dameron book about his smuggling days coming, and so so we can revisit these characters. And I, I agree with you. I think moving past that, maybe not. Although I would love to see the future of it. But there's there's also something that's worth. Uh, there's something about just leaving it as it was, you know, with with Ray being the hope for the Jedi going forward, whether she is or not going to be one, and just kind of leaving it there. I think I think that's fine, you know. Um, but uh so i guess but i guess that would mean that they would have to have everything else take place in other eras right, right? which is a huge yeah. problem because and we see this like with the books we read and even with the high republic that's coming out like you're always going to know how the story ends you always know where the end point is and while it works um that's not what people want you know part of like, forward. yeah so um, our next exciting piece of news from the sources that gave us Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka that ended up being true. It appears that Hayden Christensen is back. Uh, I saw that. Sorry, what? I, I, did, I didn't see this. I did see that. <laughs> uh, Hayden Christensen will uh-huh. be reprising Anakin Skywalker in Obi-Wan. How that works, what it means, who knows? <laughs> but it's the same people that knew about Rosario, so I'm it down. Is probably true. I, it, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm interested to see it. I have zero idea how or what or I don't a, know. Flash, a flashback or a yeah, I was thinking vision. flashback, yeah. vision, something. But what they're saying is it's not just a cameo. Like he is in it what a if, lot. What? And, what if? What if? He's like Val Kilmer in True Romance. That would be amazing. And everything <laughs> Obi Wan's doing, he's got Anakin over his shoulder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like he's alone. He's alone out there in that damn hut in the desert. He's probably going crazy and talking to himself. Yep. Himself an imaginary friend, but only yep. if his face is burned, and only if he's burned up and only has a couple limbs. That would be hilarious. It'd be great <laughs> if just all it was was him burned up, going, "I hate you." <laughs> then, yeah. That's all he did. That's all he, that's all he ever says. <laughs> He's like, well, that was sticky, wasn't it? Anakin looks over and he's like, yeah. and you're like, good talking to you. It's all he can say anymore. It's like, it's like, it's like his I am Groot. Yep. Uh, and then our last piece of news tonight. Today, Star Wars collectors went through the highest of highs, immediately followed by the lowest of lows. So they did announce um, the rumored Clone Wars Season 7 wave of the Star Wars Black Series. Um, so we're getting Ahsoka. We're getting the – is it the 32nd Squadron? Is that who her clones are? Uh, yeah. Uh, so, you know, the clone with her face paint on the helmet. Um, what they've labeled as a Mandalorian loyalist, which are the kind of bluish-green Mandalorians from Season 7. And then the Mandalorian Super Commando, which is kind of Maul's forces with the helmets on it. Right. They all look absolutely amazing. Yeah. You know, everybody has wanted this Ahsoka from Rebels. She looks great. Real exciting. Kept scrolling down. It's a Walmart exclusive. The mm. worst words you can read as a collector. <laughs> um, 
Now we'll see. By the time this comes out, they will have been released. Uh, Walmart has opened up a new collector section on their website, and that's how these are going to be sold. Um, so there's hope it might be okay. This is a they know people want these really bad. So we'll see tomorrow what happens. But ugh, Walmart, I hate them. Yeah, I know I'm going to try to pick up the Ahsoka and probably the Trooper with the Ahsoka face. That's um, what I was thinking. I, I only wanted the Ahsoka at first. I didn't see the uh, the Clone Trooper, but I think I need both of them. Yeah, they uh, right. Not to second guess you, but didn't another television show get announced since the last time we talked? Did it? Did we talk about Bad Batch last time? I don't think we did. Oh, God. Did how not. did I forget about that? <laughs> In some of the biggest news, yeah, Filoni's got a new show. Uh, we are going to get the Bad Batch show. Uh, I believe next year is when it's going to be out. Is that right? On Disney Plus? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm very curious. Like, is it going to be – when is it going to take place? I think that's the biggest question I have, right? Is it the Bad Batch, like, from kind of the beginning of their origin where they are these messed with genetic soldiers and then they do it? Or does it pick up after they left – Ahsoka and all that, and we kind of see them after. I hope it picks up after because then it's just another Clone Wars show. Right. Right. Then it's just more Clone Wars, which I'm for, but like, we've kind of, we've kind of, you know, Clone Wars got this great ending. We don't really need to go back to it. And just them running around the Clone Wars, I think, would be kind of boring. Mm-hmm. Well, and so it's the same thing we just talked about, too. You do it before, we know the ending. We know where you're going. We know yeah. how this goes. I think it's more interesting to do kind of a – yeah, after and then maybe do like Clone Wars did where every once in a while you have kind of an episode that's outside of the story that shows like individual clone Bad Batch guys when they – what they came from and kind of how they yeah. found each other. And I really want Echo to be on it, and if we do it before, yeah. there's no Echo. Actually, now that you mention Echo, I'm pretty sure it's going to take place after. I, I did not mind them for the few episodes they were in, as we talked about on our episode of The Clone Wars. I I just don't see them carrying a whole show. So I think it's going to have to be more. There's going to be more to it than just these guys that I didn't care that much about. Beth, I would like to take you back to a small Padawan that said Sky Guy and <laughs> other her name, her things. Was, her name was Snips. <laughs> yeah. That none of us wanted to watch and everyone hated. <laughs> yep. And I do believe that the only Star Wars figure in the world that you want right now is a figure of her. Yep. So. <laughs> and it is, but are are we going to get even a few seasons of these guys to make me care about them? Well, that's the hope, is that, I mean, we'll get time. You know, is that, that with any character, if you have enough time, they can make you care about them. And uh, Filoni has done a really good job thus far of giving you characters you don't necessarily care for at first. Because I maybe like, maybe I'm alone here, but I didn't hate Ahsoka. I had I had no Ahsoka hate at the beginning. You didn't hate her in that movie. No, oh she did God. not bother me. She was a little you know snippy, hence her name. But no, I didn't hate her. I think I didn't hate. I was more objecting to her presence than I was hating her specifically. Like just it just felt so shoehorned in that mm-hmm. oh, can had a padawan on so it it didn't feel organic um and now she's one of the most popular yeah, star wars characters of all time that's, that's not the character's fault no but you know the character's not real 
Well, so like, you know, it's created by people. I hate to break the fourth wall here, but what? Uh, yeah, I know. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm looking forward to it. Anything Filoni wants to put his hands on, uh, I'm fine with. Uh, and, uh, I think he'll have, you know, at some point he'll have like nine, he'll be Greg Berlanti of star Wars, you know, he'll have like seven shows on at the same time. Yeah. I did think that when they announced that I was like, Oh, this is the show we're announcing. Where's my damn Ezra show. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. See, that's what I wanted to hear about. I don't want the Bad Batch when I need to know where Thrawn and Ezra are right now. But maybe this is to throw you off. Like they're going to announce this now, and then when San Diego Comic Con proper kicks off, that will be the big surprise. Because it's odd they how they announced it. It wasn't done on like a video panel or anything like that that people are doing for like the big announcements. They just kind of sent a press release out. So I'm expecting bigger stuff next week for San Diego week. Very cool. Okay, so uh, Beth, we're talking about Kenobi today. We are, but before we get into that, for a little mini topic before we get into the book itself, one of the things that this book brings up in one of Jedi uh, Obi-Wan's musings is – about the Jedi being against relationships and how he's basically talking to Qui-Gon in these meditations. And he says the Jedi weren't always against relationships and that the force is strong in families. So why are the Jedi so very against relationships? Because it seems to me that Anakin was the exception and not the rule in that not every Jedi, in fact, probably 99% of the Jedi could control themselves enough to the point where they don't become so selfishly obsessed with a person that they can't have a relationship without it destroying them. So is it about emotional control or is it really more just about divided loyalties? Uh, To me, it's always uh, when they made the change because it wasn't always like this. Um, You know, the EU was not like this. Um, it's when they introduce that attachment part of it. And at least, I guess, philosophically from the Jedi, the way I kind of understood it was if you're in love with somebody, that attachment kind of clouds you from being able to focus on what's good for the universe. Not that I necessarily agree with it, but that's kind of how I had understood it per the prequels. But there's there's no way for them to not have attachment because they're raised by these people and they're raised by a master who was with them for, you know, at least 10 years. So, you know, just look at Obi-Wan in Phantom Menace when Qui-Gon gets cut in half. You're telling me that's not attachment because he is obviously devastated and enraged and goes after Maul in a pure rage. Because his master just died. So that's attachment, too. Mm-hmm. And now, I think it probably would have been frowned on. You know, there was always that. I don't know if it was a rumor or stuff that people thought. But, like, there's that one scene right there when the laser wall shuts or whatever it is. Um, and Aunt Obi-Wan's so pissed. There's, like, a spark of red that goes across. And it's kind of pronounced. And people always kind of said that was the split second he 
considered flipping, like giving into the dark side. And then he, you know, does the kneel down, wheels it back in a little bit. Okay, so um, here's, here's real quick. So when 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 uh, it says that about um, it didn't used to always always be this way. Um, it's important to distinguish. This is Legends. Uh-huh. This is a Legends book. Um, and in Star Wars Legends, in the old expanded universe, there were plenty of stories of Jedi uh, husbands and wives. In the current canon, there are not. So that there's a difference there. Um, so in current canon, it may not have it may have always been this way. We don't know because we haven't seen the Jedi of the past. I guess we'll see with High Republic if yeah. it's still the same type of thing. To me, the way I always thought of it was that, yeah, the Jedi used to marry and things like that. But in my head, there was to me, there was probably an incident uh, similar to Anakin at some point in the past where the Jedi then decided to forego attachment. Because the whole theory that it, it all comes down to fear. Fear of losing what you love and fear leads to blah and blah and blah. Right. But the 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 idea that that attachment it is it's that idea that you know like if you uh, uh spoilers for the west wing but in the end of season four of the west wing the president's daughter gets kidnapped and he steps down from office because he says as a father he'll nuke any country to get his daughter back and so if that's the case he can't be president right now and I think it's kind of the same with the Jedi. It's it's like, yeah, you can't if you if you have um if you have attachments, the fear of losing them, you're just gonna be open more to fear and loss and sadness and aggression, and uh, and we don't know if Anakin's the only time this has happened. Well, I mean, you know? essentially, it happens with Dooku, not yeah. necessarily because of not romantic love. love. But right. that attachment is what takes him out yeah. it's because he kind of gets sucked back in with his sister and all that stuff from Lost Jedi. But the Jedi also aren't always right. You know, like they're, they're not always right, but they, you know, I think it's perfectly reasonable to say an order that is basically an order of warrior monks would have like a celibacy clause. Right. Because monks in our real world do that as well. You know, you, you take your mind off of carnal material wants and focus it on the spiritual side. And um, and yeah, so I, I don't know. It's it's never bothered me. The only thing that bothered me about it was it contradicted all the stuff that had come before when it came out. But the fact is, as Lucas always said, the movies overwrite everything. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. It never bothered I, me. I would have been curious, and this goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the show, where they would have gone with that with Ray and Luke. Because we don't really know how... Luke set up the new, you know, Jedi temple and all that stuff or what Ray's going to do. I'd be curious to see if they added it back in. Yeah. I mean, it would have been, yes, that stuff would be super cool. And, and I, I, the way I choose to think of it is that the Jedi have been around for so long. They probably have different periods. They probably have things like the equivalent of like the Protestant reformation, Uh right? Where, where the, the Jedi order was one way and then some kind of schism happened or something and and it changed the Jedi. I think it's uh, I think it's foolish to think that they were the same at the beginning as they were at the end. You know um, that they evolved over time. But uh, I do I, I don't know. I I think that there's you know Anakin is also 
you know, Anakin's got a lot of problems. <laughs> let's be fair. Well, um, but when they Anakin, do all have attachments. If you let Anakin go back and save his mom early on because of the attachment, yeah. and you it's let not him, just Padme, it's not just Padme, it's his mom. You're right. Right, and you let him have Padme. I don't think he goes to the dark side. Well, because the 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 uh, however the the what is it the the um the lack of attachment also comes down to that though right when they take them when they're, when they're children mm-hmm. it's so that they don't grow attached to their parents right it's so they don't you know the reason why you know uh, uh Anakin was partially a problem is because he grew up enough with his mom to be attached to her mm-hmm. and that's part of the thing too and again we as we've discovered in these last you know, decades, the Jedi weren't all perfect good guys. <laughs> like they did some, some sketchy stuff. And I think obviously the taking of the children early is sketchy, but it's also part of that philosophy of not creating attachments. And they do get attachments to their masters, but their masters teach them not to. And you can still, obviously those emotions are going to be there because they're living sentient beings, but that doesn't mean you can't practice, observe the practice of keeping them away, of, of trying to find a focus away from them. And um and just relationships and stuff they just decided are too much, you know. I mean, I'm sure Yoda had some girls back in the day, <laughs> you know. But I don't know. It's never bothered me, but I get it because it it does. It did come out of nowhere in 2002 because I don't even think they really mentioned it in Phantom Menace. It's not until we got that poster no. that said a Jedi no. cannot love or whatever, like the teaser poster for Episode Two. <laughs> Um, no, and of, of all the bad dialogue in Attack of the Clones, I mean, Anakin did kind of have a point where, you know, he, I know he was trying to be smooth and failing, but when he said that, you know, compassion for all living things is kind of love, so. They, yeah, the original poster, the, the teaser poster for episode two says, a Jedi shall not know anger, nor hatred, nor love. And it's got the two of them back to back, because yeah. Lucas wanted us to think it was going to be a romance movie. Um. But they all fall. I mean, even Obi Wan. I mean, he loved Duchess Satine. Oh yeah, he loves. He, yeah. He's got a thing for Mandalorian girls. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on, who doesn't? Yeah. Yeah. Katan for me, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's... no. That's interesting. Um. So uh, since that, uh, so Beth, um, this week we read Kenobi by John Jackson Miller. Um, what's it about? Well, Kenobi, (laughs) other than the obvious. So after the failingest failure in the whole fail of the galaxy, Obi-Wan Kenobi moves to Tatooine to keep an eye on young Luke Skywalker, where he can be alone and marinate in his failure for many, many years. He meets a local shopkeeper who is very into him, her daughter, who is also into him, and her son, who is a jerk and absolutely not into him. But the shopkeeper's best friend is into him, as is the daughter of the nearby family of jerks, and possibly even a Tusken Raider named a Yark. So no wonder Obi-Wan keeps exposing his face to the harsh sons of Tatooine because his hotness seems to be highly distracting to the locals. After vowing that his commitments to Luke and the hope he represents is the most important thing, He immediately gets involved in the local turf war between the moisture farmers and the Tusken Raiders. And for some reason, the leader of the Tusken Raiders speaks basic. We'll get into that more. 
But since the Tuscans only know how to kill and take, their clashes with the farmers are becoming increasingly dangerous for everyone. While trying to lend a hand, Obi-Wan discovers that something isn't quite right with all of these attacks, and the local big shot knows more than he's letting on. Obi-Wan has to decide whether to try and help, or hide in the desert with his secrets and regrets. Pretty good. So, first... Uh-huh. Did you guys read this before or after seeing The Mandalorian? I read it after. I read it before. I read it, I read it when it came out. I read it right when it came out. So, who here thinks that the script we're working for Kenobi that is supposedly rumored, or the series of Kenobi, had to do with how much this book mirrors the Mandalorian episode Sanctuary. Because it's really similar. That's, yeah, that's possible. Yeah, yeah, I didn't think about that. But yeah, it's a little it's a little similar. Yeah, I don't... Uh, what, yeah, I read it. It came out seven years ago. Uh, it came out in 2013. So I read it, like, then. Like, the moment it hit my... Uh, moment it hit my Kindle, because I, I've always wanted this story. You know, or part of the story. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know if it, the similarities, I don't know anything. No one knows anything about why they halted production. Um, well, the but, rumor was scripts. So that's, that was yeah. the only thing that came to mind was how much that episode of The Mandalorian is like this book. You got the, the lonely widow with a daughter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Trying to help I mean, stop. The only thing I can say to that, though, is these are also very, these are also Western tropes. Yeah. And yeah. they're both they're both things that are kind of striving to be westerns um, slash samurai movies. So the the kind of the the beautiful widow uh, is is just is a, is just as at home in a John Wayne movie as it would be here. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I I they definitely. I mean, this book is a is a it's basically the Star Wars version of like Fistful of Dollars in a little bit or. You know, of the the wanderer with you know kind of no, no name for a while, at least, or with a fake name, uh-huh. that wanders into a situation, doesn't want any trouble, and of course, he finds trouble. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. This is the book that I kind of want to see as the Obi Wan show. <laughs> right? Kind of me too, even if it is a lot like the Mandalorian episode. I don't care. Yeah, they could trim that though. They can they can yeah. revise that. But um, I I I want to see yeah I, I I don't know I I reread the book again and I really enjoyed it I don't know mm-hmm. what you guys thought I didn't realize like when I first started telling you guys to read this book or Schweck you hadn't read the book uh, and I first started telling you to read it I didn't even realize it wasn't canon because it did come out very very close to the uh, switchover between Disney and Lucasfilm yeah it was 2013 so yeah it's about a year before it was announced right. Right. Yeah. This is one of the last legacy books. And I think you can so, tell. This and Tarkin, I think. Yeah. Oh, this yeah. has tons of legend expanded universe goodies in it. It does. Lots it does. of references. But kind of tonally and it it feels much more new canon than it does legacy. Which good or bad. I mean, I think it's a great book, but it's much more it's much more insular. Yeah. Um, uh, but there are there are references to um, and you can tell it's later because there's references to the Knight Errant comic book series 
um, when it mentions it mentions Kara Holt, which was the hero of the Nike Errant, Knight Errant novel and comic book series. That's, uh, uh, that's I've got a whole list of just references that keep yeah. it from being canon, and that's really all I could find was just mentions mentions that he makes of of other people that aren't canon now. It mentions Zane Carrick, the star yeah. of the Knights of the Old Republic books, um, and of course a major plot point involves uh, a Sherrod Het. Um, well, the, I couldn't find a problem, a big problem with the Sherrod Het part, but I found a big problem with the Asherod Het, because that's obviously right. extremely different. And then uh, yeah. Siri Tachi is not canon at all, but the, he he mentions her one time. How is the Asherod Het stuff problematic? Um, because in the book, Asherod Het disappears or, or is presumed dead on Tatooine and they never hear about him again. Right. And then I have to, uh, because I was not prepared to have to explain this. Cause, uh, spoilers for people. Well, we've already told people we're going to spoil things. Uh, Asherod Het is Darth Krait. Yes. In the star Wars legends comics. So this is his basically aunt. The leader of the Tuscans in this is Asherod Het's aunt. If I'm reading that right, yeah. uh, yes, because her, her sister was Sherrod's uh, uh, wife, yeah, stolen sister, yeah. I guess, adopted sister, but stolen, yeah. But yeah, I mean, Asher, this... Asherod Het doesn't seem to ever cross his mind again, or or he only thinks about or talks about Sherrod Het. The Tuscan Ayark is the one who knows about Asherod Het. And she just thinks that he's disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, I guess the Tussins wouldn't know. So I don't know. But I, I don't would know. think I, that, that Obi-Wan would know. Uh, maybe. Maybe. But I, I think the problem is, I think if we're not counting that as canon, it's only because we're looking at the other stuff. Yeah. But if you just take this book and you plop it into current canon, there's no reason why those references can't be in there because we don't know the other stuff. Right. Like, so I think it. It totally can stay in canon, and yeah. when you learn about it, I mean, I think they explain enough that you just know, oh, there was a Jedi that joined the Tuscans, and Had a that's kid. what happened. Yeah, you know, and uh, yeah, I, I said I was I was really damned to find anything that kept this out of canon. Yeah, it was just for me those those few names. Yeah, yeah, but but even then, like you know. There's Z- the, saying the name Zane Carrick doesn't no doesn't uh, it doesn't uh, uh, obliterate any it doesn't rub up against anything in the new stuff. Yep. Right, saying that name. Uh, so I loved all those. It definitely it, it again it gave me a little EU flashback um, mm-hmm. because it just had so many names in it <laughs> and is related. Now one thing I I what I liked and I know we talk a lot about Star Wars being a such a small galaxy in a way. But I love the fact that this book is also largely the repercussions of Anakin's Tuscan Raider rage. Yeah. His massacre. Yeah, they do refer to it a lot. What's well, a direct result of it? This war between the the Tuscans and the moisture farmers kind of comes from that event, or at least the current war. Well, the reason they're so weakened and, yeah. and so few is because they're still freaked out about what happened when Anakin came to town. And who can blame them? Because he did kill everybody. Even the women and the children. <laughs> yes, the women, the children. <laughs> Our says it. When he got yeah. his first taste of killing younglings. 
Yeah, that's true. That's true. In the scene that had to be uh, that had to be censored in England because if you cut off a head in England, you automatically get an R. <laughs> so they had to they had to censor that. Um, so I liked that it kind of was dealing with the the what I thought was interesting about that was while Obi Wan is on the planet dealing with the repercussions of his failure. Um, and living with his failure, which I thought was a very powerful scene when he finally broke down. Oh, yeah. And, and screamed at her about his failure and how many people he had let down. He didn't just let himself down. He let down the galaxy, right? And his pain in that moment I thought was very powerful. But I also thought that made a nice parallel with the fact that a lot of what's going on around him is vault was, was Anakin's. It was the result of Anakin. So it's kind of like even though Anakin's not in the book, he's all over the book. <laughs> Right. You know, it's like a constant reminder of here's just a small taste of what you screwed up in the universe. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and you didn't even know you screwed up this part. Yep. But but, you know, it, 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 so it, the whole book is really it's called Kenobi, but it's so in the sh- shadow of Anakin. Um, and uh, I thought that was really cool. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, um, I didn't even think about until reading this book how. Obi-Wan's failure didn't just screw over himself and Anakin and those people directly involved, but he, he really did just screw up the whole galaxy. Didn't he? Yeah. I mean, he even said at one point, he was like, I, you know, uh, people are dying right now because of me, uh-huh. you know? And I was like, whoa. although I will say this a little on the nose to call the woman, Annie. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a little much. <laughs> every, cause every time I read it, I heard Jar Jar in my head. <laughs> saying Annie every time it was like da, 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 Annie and I was like no no it's not <laughs> so that was a little much I thought it's Annaline which is the same number of syllables as Anakin um it was that was a little that was a little much but mm-hmm. but man do the girls like him in this book I mean I get it and I I felt like that was a little much too like I get the daughter having a crush on him after he saved her life that makes yeah. sense yeah and I get that Annalene is very, very lonely. Yes. Been alone for a long time, kind of widow. Yeah. And has no interest in the man who's sniffing around her. You don't think Oren was, was her dream man? <laughs> I don't think well, he was anybody's dream man. If you live in this dump-ass Tatooine, not even a town, essentially a store, <laughs> where you see like the same, what do they say, around 100 people all yeah. the time? I mean, I'm as straight as they come, but Ewan McGregor comes into town, and there's somebody <laughs> new. He drops a hello take, there. Take I'm dropping me my away. pants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take <laughs> away. Let's find a little. Let's find a crappy hotel in Mos Eisley, and uh, you know, let's shack up for a weekend. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was. It was very. But it was funny. It was like. You know, and again, but at the same time, that's still a trope of these type of stories, you know, is this mysterious man comes to the town and all the women are like, ooh, who's that? You know, mm-hmm. so I, I thought that was um, I thought that was uh, kind of neat, but uh, it was just funny because they kept doing it. <laughs> it's like every woman <laughs> that met him, you know, um, I also like that this book gave us a view. It gave us um, kind of an idea without showing it. It kind of gave us an idea what Luke's life was going to be like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know, this is the same type of this is the same you know it's not quite the same neighborhood this is closer to where like bestine and stuff i think mm. or are they in anchorhead they're closer to anchorhead they're closer, closer to anchorhead. anchorhead okay and luke's a little further out from anchorhead and but it's still the same culture that luke is going to grow up in mm. um 
you know, this out, this outpost, this, the store is probably not that far off from what Tashi station probably feels like. Well, and I don't know if y'all saw this. Did you see the deleted scene from a new hope that Disney plus put up? No. So Disney plus put up a scene from a new hope and it's not finished. Um, but it's them at Tashi station. Like it's, I've I've seen all those scenes. Yeah. 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 But now they've put it out so you can really easily access it. Oh, have they? Okay. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, there's a whole Tashi Station sequence with uh, Cami, Cami, Fixer, and Biggs. Yeah, and it's and, very and, much like this. Like, yeah. you know, people just meeting at this little restaurant and kind of talking about this place sucks. <laughs> we have got this, to get this out of here. This was 100% an homage to that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. This was John Jackson Miller saying, taking that idea. Because, yeah, no, originally in A New Hope, for people who don't necessarily know, after Luke sees the space battle, in orbit around um, around Tatooine, he gets in a speeder and he runs to the Tashi station and he comes in and they're his friends. There's Cami Fixer. And I can't remember the last, the other person's name. And Biggs is there. Well, he, Biggs isn't there right away. He comes in uh, and he tells in. everybody, he tells everybody there's a space battle and they call him Wormy. Wormy is, was his nickname as a kid, by the way. Um, I believe I've read all of that. I just haven't actually watched the scene. And he takes them outside and the space battle's over and they're like, oh, Wormy, he's like a boy who cried wolf type of thing. And then he goes up and then it turns out Biggs is there and Biggs basically tells him I've defected from the Empire. From the uh, spaceship, the Rand Eclectic, I believe is the spaceship that Biggs has 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 been assigned to, but he's going to defect and join the Rebellion. Um, And it's a scene that's there to set up when Biggs comes in at the end of the movie so that that John Williams score when he dies actually makes sense. <laughs> um, Luke is sad at this moment. And then, uh, but, but Lucas cut all those scenes because the, the first half hour of that movie drags a little bit as it is with all the desert stuff. And so he had to cut it out pacing. It's um, not a good scene. I mean, it's really, no, no, it would be cool to see. Unfortunately, it does not. The negative doesn't exist anymore. So there's no way to like get a perfect HD version of it. Yeah, and it's definitely when you watch it on Disney Plus, there's parts of it that are a little more clear, and you can tell they've tried to clean it up some, but you still really see. I mean, there's the old lines on it from the film, and it's, they're all made from a work print. Yeah, which uh, is the, the the print of the film that they would they would take the negative and they you run off a work print, which is just a really cheap, fast print of the thing that you use to edit. Right. And you treat it like crap and you do all your editing with it and you have your hands on it and everything. And that's a work print. Um, and then when they when they they do the movie, then they go back to the negative and they cut the negative to the notes you made on the work print. But then a work print is not something you show in a theater. Um, but that's all the only the work print survives of those scenes. Um, so this this stuff here at uh, what was the name of the place? I forget the name of the place. Um, Don Ours Claim. Yes. Um, right is very, very similar to what the Tashi station would have been. Yeah. Although power converters, power converters. (laughs) This book had me think a lot about how moisture farming works. I I thought the same thing. I was like, wow, I never knew this much about moisture farming. Well, at first, you know, a lot of the book is centered around like how much of all these people's lives depend on moisture farming and finding the perfect water. And apparently you can pull some switches to make your moisturizer water taste really good. But then I started thinking about it's it. like The Aton of uh, moisture farming. Yeah. I mean, if Tatooine is a completely desert planet, 
where are they pulling this moisture farm from? <laughs> like, well, I mean, there has to be some moisture. It's, it's like, in the air. Just because it's <laughs> arid, there has to be some moisture. It's in the or, air that is not humid at all. <laughs> just. Uh, it's very advanced technology, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and yeah. maybe think of, think about this: the air, at the very least, has oxygen and hydrogen in it, right? But where is it coming from? There's no trees. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe dewbacks fart oxygen. Maybe exactly. they're like the opposite of cows. Yeah, but there's water you know? under the ground too. Um, That's true. They do have wells. The Tuscans dig wells. Well, Tatooine um, used to be lush, and then their their leaders uh, ignored climate change. So, I believe the history of Tatooine, at least maybe in legends, was that it was once a lush place. Mm-hmm. It's more similar to kind of Mars, maybe, as some people think Mars was. Uh, so yeah, lots of moisture farming, and Annie's old husband apparently was the king of moisture farmers. It's an art. <laughs> I do love. I do love the idea that there are dev- there's better water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, because like, the best water I've ever had in my life. <laughs> it would have been hilarious water. if they like, yeah, gave him, and he was just like, "Yep, that's the water we get out of the tap on course song." Like, <laughs> I don't know what you people are talking about. But, or maybe on Tatooine they drink just nasty brown water all the time, and that's why blue milk is so exciting. One, I, I bet, I bet they mostly do. I bet everything's there there is gross. Um, and and two, like, but if you were in the desert like that, mm-hmm. any water would be amazing. Yeah, I mean, sand does get everywhere. Maybe maybe it, Obi-Wan's just being nice and being like, yeah, that's the best water I've ever had. It, it's just some water. What's the big deal? Yeah, oh, that was the internal dialogue. And, <laughs> and it made me thirsty. It made me want some really super ice cold water because it was like it was the best sip of water I ever had. And I'm like, oh, I could use some water. That sounds nice. <laughs> that sounds real nice. Mm. Um, but I, I like the more – again, this is all – what Miller, I think, is doing is he's just taken – He's taking any cue he can find from Luke's life from any from 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 the beginning of, you know, from the first 45 minutes of New Hope. He's taking anything he can find from in there to create life in the Tatooine sticks. I mean, they're not just in the sticks. They're in the sticks of Tatooine. Which Mm -hmm. is like the like sticks to the nth degree, you know, they're not. Eisley is the sweet place you get to go to and get excited about. Yeah, it's a crap. We're <laughs> taking, taking a romantic trip to Mos Eisley. It, it's like if somebody made a dive bar into a whole town. Yes. Yeah. Which is what Mos Eisley is. But it's way more fun than being at the Tashi station. <laughs> um, but uh, so I thought I thought uh, like I said I really like this depiction of Tatooine. Um, I thought that it, it really I don't know. It made me it made me, you know, and I, I liked that it. it made me feel closer in a way to Owen and Baru and Luke growing up. Mm-hmm. I still want to see that story of Luke growing up. But I did like that could be coming in the series. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. I like the playoff how to they don't really know what's going on in the core. Like yeah. they kind of talk about the Empire like, yeah, apparently they changed the name. There's some new people doing some stuff. I don't know. And then they just move on. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, they're. You know, the Empire doesn't really come to new come to Tatooine until they're chasing after the droids. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, I mean, by then people know what the Empire is. Luke knows what the Empire is, but that's because Biggs has gone off and his buddy Tank has gone off and joined the uh, Empire as well. But the, you know, I yeah, I felt that, uh, yeah, I, I like that, that they treated that. I like that they were 
I did like that moment where he's like, yeah, apparently, yeah, it was apparently it's an empire now. I don't know. Mm-hmm. They they still take Republic credits, uh-huh. you know, because they're like, whatever. You know, and it's but, interesting because it tied in with Obi-Wan, too, because he wants to know it. He doesn't really know what's happening because yeah. he's so isolated now. And I think that makes my God won't say anything. Oh, yeah, I got a big note on that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, that means that Obi-Wan is out there for however long. And who knows, the Obi-Wan series may change this. But he doesn't really know how bad the Empire is. Probably till Luke is. You know, until he sees the Death Star. He probably knows a little bit because, like I said, by the time we get to New Hope, Luke says he hates the Empire Mm -hmm. in New Hope. So he's aware of it, you know, so at least, you know, maybe all the millennials are anti-Empire by then. But the um, but yeah, I mean, I assume that he'd hop into Mos Eisley every once in a while and watch, you know, watch CNN. I don't know now. Other (laughs) other legends books have pointed to obi-wan you know picking up snippets of news here and there in like anchorhead or mos eisley or mos espa yeah so i i would think that surely he would you know at least once every three or four years hear some kind of news from somewhere but when does he find out that anakin's not dead that i would very much like to find out yeah because he he does spend the whole book thinking that he's killed him yeah, which makes uh-huh. sense. But when does he find out that Anakin? Wait a minute. Does well, no, that would be before that. I mean, we know he we know he gets a visit from Maul at some point, right? Yeah, um, that's true. That is canon. So, so that's 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 a uh, that's exposure to the outside world. Uh-huh. Um, Ezra knows where he is. If Ezra, Ezra comes back, he could go visit him. Right, but there's got to be a moment where he finds out Anakin's still alive. Um. And I don't know what that moment is uh, or if it's ever been dramatized. I don't know. I've never seen it in a book. Yeah. But uh, I would love to see that in a series. Yeah, my problem is it might be as simple as him just hearing it. The thing is, who knows that, though? Who knows that fact to the point where that would get to Obi-Wan? It's almost like you would have to hear it from Qui-Gon or Yoda or something. He saw him dubbed darth vader so all he has to do is hear darth vader and he knows who that is that's true he knows who Uh, that that's a very good point yes he knows who darth vader is so so maybe just along the way he heard about this big badass guy that the emperor is using and put two and two together yeah it's quite possible so let's talk about the qui-gon parts (laughs) (laughs) my note is force ghosts literally ghost people (laughs) (laughs) dicks (laughs) <laughs> like, it's a very effective storytelling technique, I think. And it, I like that, him talking to Qui-Gon. And I think we've talked about this before. They have got to clarify how Force Ghosts work. Yes, they really <laughs> do. Because, I need them to. Like, you can, apparently when Obi-Wan becomes a Force Ghost, you can just kind of pick and choose whenever you feel like to pop in and be like, Yoda too. Turn off your targeting computer. Hey, walk over here on Hoth. Like, Qui-Gon can't, like, drop in and just be like, it's okay, buddy. You know, we it'll be good. <laughs> but no. I'm going to say something very controversial. I wish Force Ghost never happened. <laughs> I would be completely okay with Star Wars if Lucas had never created Force Ghosts. It's one of my least favorite things about Star Wars. 
It doesn't bother me, but if you're going to use it, use it in a way that makes sense instead of, just, you know, he shows up on Octo and Yoda's just like, hey, I haven't seen you in 30 years. Why are you why are you being a dick? Mm-hmm. And at first I thought, OK, you know, Qui-Gon is supposed to be kind of the first one that has figured out how to do this, to come back and talk, because apparently he's cool with talking to Yoda and teaching him how to do this. And so at first I thought, all right, well, maybe it's new. We can't just show up whenever we want to. But, I mean, ten years later, Anakin sure does show up five minutes later to the party on the door. <laughs> like, all and, he didn't learn how, and he never learned how to do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's where it gets inconsistent. Like, And this is a problem, I think, from Lucas. It was that he developed this idea of the Jedi, like, learning how to live past death. But then you have... You know, uh, Anakin just, yeah, just pop up as a force ghost. And you're like, when did he train to do that? They, the Emperor didn't teach him how to do that. The mm-hmm. Darksiders can't do that. So maybe it's it just, was because he was just so powerful. Yeah. Or maybe it's just, uh, it was a neat way to end the movie. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing about force ghosts is they're so squishy and yeah. they always have been. And um, it's one thing I don't like in the sequel trilogy is I don't like the use of force ghosts in there. I don't mind some of the scenes. I think that you've seen with Yoda and last Jedi is fine. I think the scene with Luke and in, in rise of Skywalker is fine. I don't, I would not rather them not be there, but the, um, but the whole concept just bothers me be, because of what you're saying is because there is no consistency to it. And I don't think, I don't think they could set up a set of rules that would make sense and satisfy me at the same time. I just don't think they could. Um, and so it's just this kind of squishy thing. Um, I didn't love the meditations in this. I mean, they were fine, but as a writer, what I know is they are just a really quick shortcut to give us your character's thoughts. Yeah. They well, are just there to, to say, well, I'm not putting in their voiceover narration, but here's some voiceover narration. I read a review of the book today that actually complained badly that uh, Obi-Wan was not a big enough character in his own book because we never get to see things from his perspective or through his eyes, except through the meditations. And that reviewer said the meditations were terrible and sucked. I disagree that they were terrible. I felt like they were important and effective. And a space, a space Western of this type cannot take place from Obi-Wan's perspective because he's not a Tuscan Raider or a moisture farmer. So he can't take the place of these characters and we can't see everything through his eyes. And I feel like the meditations are important so that we do know where his headspace is. And I mean, I also felt like it was kind of an easy cop out for everybody to figure out his last name was Kenobi. See, I like that because it, it made the... um. To me, because it made the title better for the book, like because the title is generic, you call it Kenobi. But the idea that this word takes on a lot of meaning mm-hmm. of his last name, it becomes this thing that people try to figure out what it is. And once they find out, everyone keeps saying it. And so it kind of rang true to me because that was the title of the book. And so I kept thinking about that, that like Kenobi, like he can he changes his first name to Ben, but they figure out what his last name is and he can't hide from that. And, um, and and that is who he is. And and so I, I didn't I didn't mind that. I thought that was interesting, uh, but mostly because I said I, I thought it worked with the title of the book. Mm-hmm. Here's a question that has little to do with the book. Obi-Wan changes his name. Accidentally forgets to change his last name and says it out loud and people hear it. Uh, yeah. Did anybody not 
think that maybe we should change Luke Skywalker's name? Beth, like, Beth, 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 Beth. Maybe Beth. his name shouldn't be Skywalker for hiding him? Beth, 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 Beth. Of course. Of course. It should be Luke Lars. Of course <laughs> it should be Luke Lars. Well, but here's a question I have, and I don't think it's something we really know. Lars, Amberu, and them, and Uncle Owen, they don't know really what happened to Anakin. Like, they don't know he's Vader. They don't know, you know, it's bad. They think think he's dead. Yeah, they think that, you know, dad went off with crazy old Ben and died. And so you're bringing the kid back. I mean, I imagine Obi-Wan didn't show up and be like, look, you have got to hide this kid. There's some bad shit going down. If you say that, I think um, Owen and – well, Owen probably is like, uh-uh, you can take that kid on out of here. So, I mean, yeah. it probably was more of a, hey, his dad died. Can you just keep him? And so in that case, I don't think they would change his name. And if they – if he did show up and be like, hey, we've changed this kid, uh, you know, lightsaber – Evio Bowo or whatever crazy ass Star Wars name. Owen's <laughs> going to get concerned. Like, why are we changing the name? Something's going on. Get out of my house. That makes sense. I just think it's because Luke Lars sounds dumb. And oh, in, 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 we're, we're dealing in archetypes and we're mm-hmm. dealing. In, he's it, realism. Isn't uh, yes. Everyone knows Luke should change his name, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, there's no, you know, they're not going to do that for, I mean, is there remembers we don't hear Luke's last name until when, what's the first time you hear the word Skywalker in star Wars? Remember? Is it when he says, my name's Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. The first time you hear yeah. his last. Yeah. And that's what an hour into the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, so it's not, you know, it's, it's just interesting. Um, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I've tried to make sense of it, and I think Ryan did a pretty good job there. But uh, I gave up trying to make sense of that part <laughs> a while ago because it, it doesn't make sense, especially on the t- in the town that he lived in, like on the planet he lived on. Yeah, I was, <laughs> you know, with family members. I was kind of surprised at how far away Obi Wan is watching over him, and like how oh, yeah, often like he actually does kilo- check in. Kilometers, something like that. Was it a hundred kilometers? Yeah, I mean, it was a long way. He runs over there once every couple of weeks, it seems. Sure. But I mean, at first, right? Yeah. Sure, he gets slack with it later. Right. I was just surprised, like, how much he's not really looking over him. And he had the idea of, like, you know, he was trying to extend the settler's call out there so he could kind of hear if something went down. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's definitely not the the supervision that I thought would occur because Bale, well, on the other hand, you know, as we've seen in the other books, he's very protective and doesn't, you know, let Leia do anything. Cause he seems much more worried. Something's going to happen. Yeah. But he's not a Jedi, but That's true. You know, I, I think you're right. But I also think that part of Obi-Wan's thinking is let him grow up and be happy. <laughs> you know, like, like, like stay like, and, and Owen, and, and also Owen doesn't like him. And doesn't want him around. You know, uh, I've always wanted that story. I've always wanted that two father story about Luke, you know, and um, I've always wanted to to see or write myself the, the first time Obi-Wan and Luke meet because they've met before. Ben and Ben and Luke have met previous to A New Hope. Yeah. And, and why does Owen hate him so very much? Because yeah, Owen hates the war and the Jedi and 
Paul yeah. hates a lot of things, but I, I wanted something it's, a little more concrete. Eventually. Well, I think because really, I mean, Obi-Wan starts Shmi Skywalker's downfall. I think. I mean, all that stuff would have happened anyway, but, you know, Anakin being taken away, Anakin shows back up and murders a bunch of Tusken Raiders. There was probably like some – he brought chaos to their life. He's part well, of that. Well, I just have to remember in, in, in a world like this where we, we concentrate on all these people that hop around the stars, you can imagine 99% of people never leave their home planets. Uh-huh. Right. Like like my like a majority of the people just don't go anywhere, just like, you know, what on earth? They just live their lives. It's a whole planet. And so the idea that maybe even though it only has one, you know, uh, environment, but if they so to me, it's more they're 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 kind of I don't mean this is They're small town people. Uh-huh. They're, salt, they're salt of the earth people. And they've got no room for. You know, fancy pants Jedi who fly around the galaxy fighting yeah. wars. You know, when that's just not the city slickers come into town. Exactly, <laughs> and try to like, disrupt ex- their life. And what's the only time you met Anakin? Anakin came in and was kind of a prick, you know, with with his girlfriend and and whatever. And like, I just don't think his impression of them is very good. And yeah, he's just a salt of the earth. I hate to say red state kind of guy who's mm-hmm. just kind of like you know. Just, uh, you know, we're, we're just here farming. And what are you like? I work for a living. What do you do? You know? Yeah. And um, well, and he might be a little pissy about the Jedi didn't come back before. Like, yeah. you've got this power. You knew we were here and you didn't come back till it was too late. And also, like, it could also be you want me to take care of this kid. You want me to raise this kid? Fine. But I'm raising this kid. Uh-huh. You yeah. stay away. You stay out of this. If you want me to take care of this kid, I'm going to raise him the way I see fit, you know, and 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 so I, I want to see I want to see those conflicts one day like I'm hoping in the show. I want to see those conflicts between because um, I think there were rumors originally they were going to talk to Joel Edgerton mm-hmm. about making appearance on Kenobi. And I would love that. And and I would love to see them butt heads a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the classic tale of two fathers. And Star Wars is all about fathers. So I don't know, but. I love this book. <laughs> I really wish this was <laughs> yeah. canon. I really so, wish this was canon. How did you guys feel about an intelligent and, and fairly crafty Tuscan Raider? How did you guys feel about a Yark? Because it really worked for me, especially with the explanation of where she learned to speak basic was because Sherrod Hett was there. Yeah. I I thought it was great to finally give the Tuscan Raiders some kind of character rather than just being monsters, basically. Uh-huh. I really like – I mean the Tusken Raiders in a way kind of mirror the Jedi almost where they kind of take you and they wrap you up in their clothes, and this is who you are now. You do these beliefs, and you don't stray out of this. Um, I thought it was kind of a nice parallel to it. It's also – to just to be nerdy about it, it's also very similar to uh, Natalie Wood and The Searchers, the John Wayne movie um, where she gets taken as a child by um, – by I think it's by Apache Comanches uh-huh. and uh, years later he finds her and she's living as a squaw. So um, it's, it's, it's part, I mean, obviously in the uh, Western parable uh, that we're the rest the Western archetype we're using um, uh, the, obviously the Cusking Raiders are the native Americans, uh-huh. um, you know, that this, this space they would occupy in a Western story um, with far more probably empathy than a lot of old Westerns would give them. Uh-huh. Yeah, even I, I, up to like adopting the technology, like 
you know, there's some resistance, but to survive, we're going to have to take this moisture evaporator. Even though it breaks our rules, we're going to have to adapt. Yeah, I mean, they've done other things with the Tuscans. Um, doesn't KOTOR have a storyline that involves the Tuscans? Where you go to Fort, where yes. you go, where you go to Fort, Tus- you literally go to Fort Tuscan. Yes, you do. Yeah, and um, and there have been, and obviously, you know, Shroud Het was already a character before this, so you know they had dealt with him, um, in Life as a Tuscan. So we learned a little bit, but this is definitely the best portrayal of the Tuscans we've ever had in their culture. But I like that it wasn't necessarily like their culture whole; it was more just kind of their clan. In this area and and what was left of them, you know, um, I, I thought was, uh, yeah, no, I thought the character was cool. I was a little I'll say this. I was a little I, I questioned a little bit why they had to hold off on her gender for like half the book. Yeah, that bugged me, too. And they're like, oh, it's a woman. And you're like, OK, oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> like and... all right. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess the idea was that, like, you know, well, Tuscan women aren't normally warriors. And um and I was like, okay, but that's that doesn't you don't have to put that in there, <laughs> you know, to justify it. It just it just felt weird. It's like the big reveal is it's a woman, and you're like, okay, <laughs> okay, <laughs> sure. I don't yeah, I don't know. That, that didn't make any sense to me either. It was like, uh huh, she's a woman. Oh, okay. I that, yeah, that it makes no anymore. difference to the story to me whatsoever. What do we think of our bad guy? What do we think of Orin? That was my next note was because we had not talked a lot about Oren yet. Yeah. And how long did it take you guys to figure out what he was up to? Because that really did kind of come out of left field at me. I got the sense he was obviously a little crooked somehow, but him leading the pretend Tuscan attacks really took me by surprise. The pretend Tuscan attacks. I mean, I knew something was wrong. Um, I mean, I had assumed the whole book that he killed Donner um, or that he had had something to do with it. Right. Um, I I like the pretend Tuscan attack part, though, you know, that kind of where they built the Tuscans up as these terrible, awful people. And I mean, it's it's kind of funny in a Star Wars book. It really does all come down to just a money scam. (laughs) That's what the whole thing's about. Yeah. and I, I enjoyed the kind of tie-in with the huts that he had gotten sucked into Java and owing him money. Um, yeah, I thought it was good. I uh, I don't like it because I don't like politics in my Star Wars. No, it's um, <laughs> uh, no, I I saw it coming, but that's because I read the book seven years ago, so I don't remember seven years ago if I saw it coming. I saw it coming this time because the book well, jogged my I'm memory. Not about this yeah, but I don't remember. Yeah, I don't first read it. But you mentioned that you mentioned Java. This book. Hits every Tatooine checkmark <laughs> that you want to hit. Mm-hmm. Jabba, Mos Eisley, Jawas, Tusken Raiders, a crate dragon, <laughs> Sarlax, <laughs> moisture evaporators, blue milk. <laughs> like it's literally Rodians. Like it's literally like it's a it's a tattoo. It's a best of Tatooine mixtape. <laughs> you know, but would they like, call it blue milk? I mean, wouldn't they just call it milk? Well, there Do could be other, other varieties. Of milk? Luke had green milk. It's out there somewhere. Yeah. Straight from the teat. Green milk. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's very, I, I don't know. I just, it just, as soon as you mentioned Jabba, I was like, oh yeah, Jabba's in this too. I mean, he's not actually in it. He's not actually right. in it, but yeah, they, um, 
But they can't have Tatooine without Jabba because if they're going to do a money scam, obviously Jabba is going to have to be involved. Well, I have a nit to pick. I don't like the fact that Star Wars has decided there's a bunch of Sarlaccs. I didn't care for that either. I I would assume that it's cool if there's like a couple or, you know, there's some spread across the planet, but not like a field of them. Because like they had them in um, Force Unleashed. Right. There's one on like Felucia. Um, there's been other Sarlaccs in history. I just it's just a return of the Jedi. The whole idea it was it was called the almighty Sarlacc uh-huh. in the great pit of Carcoon. Like I always felt like it was a one of a kind monster and they started to put them on other planets. And I was like, eh, all right. Okay. Yeah, I don't like them on other planets. Like I remember playing the Force Unleashed and getting to that Felucia part. And I was like, what the how did this get here? This seems yeah. completely out of place for Felucia. Yeah, and and I think in some things we've seen like baby sarlaccs and stuff and uh and everything and like jars and stuff. But yeah. I don't know. that was something that struck me. Oh, that's gonna bug me. There is a baby sarlacc in a jar. Yeah, I don't. I want to say it's in a comic. I can't remember at this point. It might have been in Doctor Afro or something. <laughs> I think I, don't know. Right. I think it is an yeah. Afro. Because it seems like something that someone would have in a collection somewhere. Um, yeah. But uh, so I, I didn't love that that moment where where she went out to the thing. But I thought I, I, I thought um, I thought he uh, Orin was a good foil. You know, he was a he was a bully. He was, you know, he was Gaston. He was whatever. You know, he was the like local. He was he was the high school jock who would like, you know, start his own business, but was still kind of a prick. You know, um, <laughs> he felt like a used car local. dealer to me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's that guy who was probably real. He was probably real popular when he was twenty, you know, or when he was when he was a teenager. He peaked in high school. He absolutely peaked. Well, in high and school. then has coasted on charm. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. a part of it, I think, his his buddy was really the one that was the successful. You know, made yeah. it big and was actually talented, and he kind of rode off those coattails for a while, and yeah. then continued to. He made the best water. I mean, what are you gonna do? <laughs> hey, water is great. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he made the character? Best I really liked the uh, who was he? He was a Rodan, right? That was in the um, yeah. Oh, Cantina every Bomer. day. I, there's something I really liked something about that, and it he wasn't was the, a big. It was their norm? Yeah. <laughs> you know, just like the staring down every day, and just sitting there drinking your calf. Mm-hmm. That he was kind of content. There was something about that I thought added to the story really well. No, because I remember yeah. getting really upset when he came stumbling out on the day of the Tuscan attack, stabbed in the back. I was like, oh, no, not Bomer. <laughs> can I I say, wait, uh, why do I care? I also, <laughs> oh, I, but I do care. I can say I also don't really like EOPs very much. I don't, I don't either. Like, <laughs> they spent uh, a lot of time talking about that damn EOP, too. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's I know like Obi-Wan's kind of got a Beast Rider thing that Lucas established for the prequels, <laughs> um, which is fine. That's part of Star Wars. Beast riding has always been part of Star Wars, whether it's in the movies or in the expanded universe, you know, uh, in um, the planet of Onderon in the comics was a planet filled with Beast Riders, um, which some of that I think has stuck around in canon. So like it, that's always been part of Star Wars. But like. I always wish that at the end of Revenge of the Sith, I wish he wasn't on that EOP. I wish he was just walking into the desert. I think it would be a much cooler shot without him sitting on this computer-generated, weird-ass-looking llama. Yeah. And, um, uh, so the fact that he was always on his EOP, I was like, eh, okay. 
Like, like I don't understand if, every, if everybody has speeders, why can't he have a speeder? Why does he think that would attract attention if everybody on the planet has speeders? Well, I, I got the feeling because it's about money. Like, yeah, not a lot. Actually, not everybody has speeders. That's the yeah, thing. Yeah, he's trying to kind of hide that he has money. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't do real well with it when he comes in and starts buying stuff. Like they <laughs> yeah. kind of figure out that he's got some money to do some things. But I mean, Tatooine also apparently operates on squatter rights. <laughs> you can just <laughs> move on in and be like, this is mine now. <laughs> yeah, but but honestly, who wants it? Yeah. Like, yeah. Who? He's he's on the other side of the Junlin Wastes. Like yeah. nobody wants to be over there. Junlin yeah. Wastes, another check off on the Tatooine. <laughs> uh, the Tatooine tour, like yeah. you know, it really does take you through the whole thing. Uh, oh, by the way, there are dewbacks. Um, there are yeah. banthas. Um, yeah, there's there's all sorts of stuff. There's mentions of I, I missed like there were mentions like Bestine, which I think is only in, in Legends so far. Bestine's the capital of Tatooine. Um, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's references to most Espa, and there's I like that there's a reference to a pod race, but we don't see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I appreciated nice. that. And they yeah. talk about the Booty Classic, which is you yeah. know the Phantom Menace one. Yeah, Uh-oh. yeah. You know that's something. You know, I've always thought that I, what I never liked about the Booty Classic, I actually liked the sequence in Phantom Menace. I just wish it wasn't like a crowd full of stands. I wish it was a stand full of crowds full of like stands, stands full of crowds and people. Like I wish it was more like an underground thing. Um, yeah. that would make more sense than this giant, especially on a planet that's supposed to be this far out of the way. And, and that announcer uh, is one of the worst oh God. parts of all the prequels. Yeah, well, listen, that, I, that's I what Greg kills I love me. I love Greg Proops, but yes. I do too, but that part of it just ruins the whole thing for me. Takes it's me out it, of it every time. It's when they do that dance and when Anakin yes. wins, and they go, mm, 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 and move their heads back and forth. Oh, it's terrible. But I'll say this, man. It sounds amazing in Dolby Atmos. Yeah, it does. Dolby Atmos 4K. Oh man, it'll blow your hair back. It's so much fun. Um, it's it's real good. I I'm a big fan of the pod race. I just like I said, I just wish there weren't the crowds. I wish it was more like down and dirty, you know, like gangsters betting on it and stuff, you know. Um, uh-huh. uh, more underground, like you know, like you know, Tokyo Drift type stuff. Yeah. But at least here we don't have to see it. We just see the aftermath of it when orange kids come back being dicks and drunk and smashing up speeders <laughs> not just orange kids not just orange kids annie's kid comes back too he ain't yeah. driving he's not drunk that's, driving a speeder that's true. <laughs> like, has she been drinking <laughs> so you're right. but it but it was like i think you're right about the money because it did you know when when oren gets annie a speeder that's a big deal uh-huh. you know? um uh, it's no you know, it's 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 a it's a poor society where not everybody's got a car, you know, and people who do have cars are kind of beat up cars. You know, my favorite thing about that, too, is that he just leases it. He doesn't buy it. <laughs> oh, it's such a scum. It's amazing. Yeah, it's so good. I, I love that. He's like, it's all just a con, you know, and when he, when he proposes to her mm-hmm. um, and uh, oh, he had a couple of good lines in this, I thought. Oh, when um, when uh, 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 Oren's daughter hits on him. And she's like, you know, if you ever want to spend time with an adult, and he's like, let me know if anyone, if one comes in. <laughs> well, because uh, yeah. he's got to keep his classic Obi Wan wit. Of course, he can't get rid of that. He's every once in a while the smartass comes out in him, <laughs> you know. And uh, and I thought that was fun. I I think it's a pretty good character characterization of Obi Wan. Um, I don't agree that he's not in it enough. With that review said, like I, I think he's in it just the right amount. I think if you're just sticking with him the whole time, then it just becomes this. 
character piece about this guy. And, and while I enjoy those things, that's not what Star Wars is. There has I think to be. it would get too mopey and too yeah. introspective. And, and yeah, I, I don't need it to be mopey and introspective. Well, there what do you want? For like weeks, he's just like at his house fixing things. Right. There's gotta I don't be a need story. to see all of that. Mm-hmm. Like, like, not every Star Wars story has to be an adventure story, but most of them do. Yeah, there's and, gonna be something. And and does this let us get into the get into the world of the Sand People more? They, they can't it, be all about the intergalactic banking clans all the time. Oh, <laughs> as much as we would like that, <laughs> as much as we would like a 600 bi- 600 page bio of Watt Tambor. <laughs> And the history of the intergalactic banking clan, which I would probably still read, which is sad. Mm-hmm. But um, it's really, you know, that's not what people really want. <laughs> like, um, you know, uh, yeah, the, the history of the Trade Federation. Yeah. Um, although, uh, I don't know. The, the book we're talking about next week has a lot, actually has a little bit about the Trade Federation. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, but I thought. Not too I, much. No, no. I, I I don't know. We're we're getting long on time, but yeah. uh, I, I like say- yeah, I think the biggest thing I like about this book is it really shows like how much of a sacrifice Obi-Wan had to make yeah. because he he gives in to being a Jedi basically and helping people and realizes I cannot do this. Yeah. Like yeah. it's if I'm going to protect Luke, I'm going to have to basically shut down my own nature. Um and it's a good like companion to the end of Revenge of the Sith because you would think, you know, after Revenge of the Sith, yeah, he goes to hide him, but you would still want to fight. You would still want to, you know, be the good guy, and he's gonna have to from now on not be Obi Wan Kenobi anymore, and it makes it that much sadder. Which is also what Yoda does, right? right? Yoda hides away. You know, I mean, I don't know if Yoda uses his uh, Force powers in front of the snakes. You know, I mean, he's <laughs> alone, so he's not really going to give it away. But you're right. He sacrifices, you know, he he's lost everything. Uh-huh. But then he does have to kind of sacrifice himself. And to the point where, you know, he's got this woman that, that does, you know, I know she's a lonely widow, but she cares for him. I mean, why wouldn't you? And he he obviously but he can't even open himself up to that. So he has to live this kind of lonely Jedi, uh, abstinent on your own lifestyle while also not getting to be a Jedi. Uh-huh. You know, well, so I think uh, one of, of the things is, sorry, go ahead. I was just saying he gets the worst of both worlds. Like one of the things that I thought was really effective about the end of the book was because of Oren's making everybody turn on him. Nobody wants anything to do with him anymore. Yeah. And I but, thought that was really well done because at first I'm reading about him hanging out around all these people and I'm like, wait, how did they just forget he exists? How does yeah. he never see these people again? But at the end of the book, you know, they're pissed off because you figured this out about Oren and you've only known him for a couple of days and he's been screwing us over for years. So we don't want to see you around here anymore. So well, nobody's really sitting around going, hey, what happened to Ben? Well, this also sets up. The idea of Crazy Ben, right? Uh-huh. You know, mm-hmm. it also sets up him knowing that this the a crate call scares off Tuscan Raiders. Yeah, he uses in A New Hope, right? Because he learns what that sounds like from this alarm system. You know, so well, so it and does, from fighting a crate, and from later fighting a crate, yes. Uh-huh. But and but I do it, kind, I I would actually like to see that kind of a lot in a story or in a, a series. I would yeah. kind of like to see if. 
crate dragon fight. Yeah, I've I've killed many of them in video games. Yeah. As have I, but I kind of want to yeah. see Obi-Wan kill a crate. Oh, I, I, I never thought the thing, my problem in video games is I never felt like I should be able to. I was, I was yeah. like, why did I kill a crate dragon? <laughs> thing is impossible to kill. Um, did you notice? I, I have it in my notes, and maybe I'm not right. That that at the end, um, uh, Annie goes to the University of Alderaan. Yeah, yeah. That's rough. <laughs> well, it, and he hopefully says, she's still uh, not there. <laughs> he says something about when he sends her off to it. He said, she said, uh, "What you got me into this?" And he said, "Well, Alderaan's still there, right?" And I went, "Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah." That was a little. Yeah, but I was like, I mean, I know this is what, like, this is like 18 years before, 18, 19 years before Alderaan blows up, but uh, still, like, I was like, I hope she, I hope she, after college she moves away. I hope she didn't just, yeah. you know, I hope she didn't graduate and stay in Athens. You know, I hope she got out. <laughs> and, um, uh, sorry, that's a, that's a Georgia joke. And, um, uh, so, uh, but, but yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I was happy to read this book again. I really was. Like, yeah, I can't I really- say that. Yeah, I I love this book. And like I said, I didn't even realize it wasn't canon. Yeah. Even after reading it the first time, I was like, that seems like canon to me. Just just because you reference a couple things that I don't you know, that we don't know about in canon doesn't mean it's not. And I think part of that is because Clone Wars, the cartoon had already come out. And so they reference that. And since that's so heavy in canon now, it makes that transition easier. Well, here's yeah, the good. Yeah, because he mentions Satine. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. that didn't even strike me. He mentions another girl as well that he, Sir, he was close Siri to. Tashi, but that is not canon. It's not. But is it from anything? Is it from one of the uh, books? It's like, from a Rogue book. It's from, it from a series Planet? of books. But I don't oh, okay. remember which series of books. Okay. It's um, like somebody he knew when he was a Padawan. Yeah. Yeah. No, I recognized the name. Uh, I... Here's the good the good news. Um, this is all made up nonsense. So if you want to consider it canon, you can. Like I'm just saying in your head. Like to me, this is what Obi Wan did when he got the Tatooine until they tell me otherwise. Like until yeah. till the show comes out. Until, until the, the show, show comes, comes out. out. And this show doesn't necessarily have to contradict it. We'll see. Depends on what time frame the show is covering. You know, maybe Luke's gonna be a teenager by the time. You know, so like to me, like I would hope stop. he would. I would hope they would pick it up when he's at least like old enough to do something i don't yes. think they need to pick it up when he's a baby no no they could do some flashbacks or something if they wanted to cover any of that but i don't i don't think there's going to be a whole lot of interest in i've got to go rescue the baby well <laughs> and the other thing too and, and we're already doing that on mandalorian we're already rescued babies on mandalorian well, I, I yeah go ahead and go. you've got to make luke's life boring you can't have yeah. anything exciting happen to luke well he's got a, he's got a he's got a bullseye from womp rats and uh Thread the needle in, in Beggar's Canyon. You know, he's got to do some stuff when he gets older. He's got to be a little bit, get a little bit of trouble. Yeah, God, he's got to get into some kind of trouble to meet Obi Wan at all. For the yeah. time. Are we yeah. gonna get some like scene of him flying like a T sixteen and Obi Wan has to like use his force powers to keep it from crashing down or some? I don't know. I just want to. I just want a moment where we see that Obi Wan has Anakin's lightsaber in his robes and he realizes it's not time to give it to him yet. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. Where he has it with him and he wants to give it to him. And then Luke does something that's immature or something that's not ready. And Obi-Wan's like, no, it's not. It's not time. I can't. I don't think they to- can. I don't think they can go too old with Luke, though, because, I mean, if, even if they make him 14 or 15, he's going to have to look a lot like Mark Hamill. 
Well, oh, but, Alden Ehrenreich doesn't look like Harrison Ford. It's okay. I think mm-hmm. if you go in that direction, though, Obi-Wan would want to do that when he was young. Because part of the problem was Anakin was too old to train. Right. So yeah. Obi-Wan would go real early and then maybe realize giving a lethal weapon to a five-year-old is not the best idea in the world. <laughs> or maybe he's out there in the desert. The sun's getting to him. It's making him look like Alec Guinness. Uh, <laughs> and he forgets about it. And then when Luke's at his house, he's like, oh, crap, I've got that weapon. I've got that sword. You know, maybe he just forgets. I don't know. Oh, that is one thing I love about this book. It canically, canically oh, I can't say the word, explains why he ages so much during. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> he, he doesn't pulls, wear his hood. He pulls his hood down. <laughs> And Alec Guinness, by the way, wasn't that old. Right. But, no, like, but I mean, I think they're trying he, to explain how he seems to have aged so quickly. Uh-huh. When, when we were kids, Alec Guinness seemed real old. But, you know, he, he wasn't, you know, but like now we would think of him as like, it's not that bad, you know? I, well, I think he was only maybe three or four years older than Obi-Wan was supposed to be at that timeline. Yeah. I mean, let me see. He was born in 1914. Uh, um, so he would have been 63. Um, right. So, or no, 60, yeah, 63, 62 when they shot it. Um, and, and, uh, Obi-Wan is supposed to be like, what, 38 when he gets to Tatooine? Um, how old, when was Ewan McGregor born? Ewan McGregor was born in 71, which means that he was, uh, in 2005, he was, uh, uh, 34. Right. Mm-hmm. So 54. So it's like a 10 year gap there. Yeah. So it's like 10 years, you know, Obi Wan. Yeah. So, so the de- Tatooine adds 10 years. <laughs> it's probably right. You know, desert will mess you up. Yep. Well, they yep. even include a whole story about some actor who went missing in the desert and came back age 20 years. Yeah. 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 Didn't have that good water. That's what happens. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, you gotta have that primo like Fiji moisture evaporator water. So, by the way, I did listen to the audiobook and uh, it's great. Uh, he he does a very good Obi Wan. Yeah, it's uh, I can't remember Jonathan Davis. Jonathan Davis. Uh, he not, does Obi Wan. Not, not that. Not 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 the freak on a leash. Another Jonathan yeah. Davis. Uh, but he does the voice for Obi Wan in several of the audiobooks, and he is excellent. Yeah, he's very good at that. He's very good. So, all right. Uh, time to talk about next week? Yeah. Okay. Uh, That's speaking, you. Of good, speaking of good audiobooks, actually. Um, so we've talked a lot on this show about how the novels and comics and games and the shows have done a lot to redeem the, sequ- the prequel era stories. But one character that I feel has never gotten, no one has ever been able to figure out, even on Clone Wars, is Padme Amidala. Um, so next week we are reading, we're doing a twofer. Um, we're going to talk about Queen's Shadow and Queen's Peril by, uh, E.K. Johnson. Um, they are prequel era books that tell us the story of Padme Amidala and, uh, her time both, I guess, before episode one and up after episode one. And we're going to see if, uh, those stories can, uh, can help bring a little more life to this character and make her just not Leia light. Um, and I do recommend that you listen to the audiobooks if you can, because they're both read by Catherine Cat Tabor, who is the voice of Padme on Clone Wars. And also, also I believe the voice of Leia in a lot of other stuff. Um, I've met Cat. She's very nice, but she, um, 
but yeah, so she reads them both. So it's much like the Ahsoka book where actually Eckstein wrote it, read, read it. And this time you actually have Padme's voice telling you the story. So I highly recommend the audiobooks. But we'll do that next time. All righty. Well, thank you guys, and thanks everybody for listening, and we will talk to you all soon. You have been listening to a Needless Things podcast. You can follow Needless Things on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at needlessthingspodcast.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.